Debuting today on Locked On Vols, a new feature I'm hoping to do weekly, especially in the summer months, Throwback Thursday. What did Tennessee look like heading into the Orange and White game spring of 2021? It's pretty amazing the progress that has happened since then. That, a whole lot more here on your Thursday, Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your Thursday Locked On Balls, and I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can always find me on Twitter at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Balls. As always, this is your team every day, a part of Locked On Podcast Network, and this is your first listen, Locked On Balls. You know where to find me, YouTube channel, Locked On Balls. Please subscribe. would help out tremendously, and you can find us wherever you get your audio podcast from as well. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Write me a positive review. Welcome back, everydayers. Hey, what is an everydayer? An everydayer is an everyday listener of Locked On Vols. There's a lot of you, and I, I see you on Twitter Tuesdays and mailbags, and when you tweet me and whenever you comment on YouTube, I see you, you everydayers. I know who you are. Appreciate you guys for coming back here uh, with us here every day on Locked On Vols. Fun show coming up today. Like I said in the cold open, going to try a little Throwback Thursday feature weekly feature um, each and every Thursday, and you guys can possibly help me out with that as well. Um, and today, we're going to throw it back two years ago, spring of 2021, and leading up to the Orange Hawaii game. Man, I mean, and again, we talk about it some, but the the job Josh Heupel has done in two years here at Tennessee, it's incredible. We're going to go back into some of that nitty-gritty and tell you how bad of a shape Tennessee was in spring of 2021 here in segment number one. In segment two, it is a question I'm stealing from the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Who wins the national championship first? It's also the cue of the day. Who wins the national championship first? Is it Josh Heupel or Tony Vitello? We'll break down arguments for either side, and uh, it's a really good question. And then in segment number three, ESPN's Matt Bowen has uh, put out his list of best prospects at 53 different skills entering the NFL draft. Tennessee, of course, is littered all over that list. That is your show rundown here for a Thursday. Throwback Thursday. New feature. What did Tennessee look like in the spring of 2021? Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, you're you're in the middle of a national controversy, right? A cloud that is shadowing your program here at Tennessee. You can't recruit, right? Um, you're coming off a three and seven season during the COVID shortened 2020 campaign. Jeremy Pruitt has been fired for cause. Four members of his staff have been fired for cause. It's ugly. Philip Fulmer retires. Dante Plowman, Tennessee Chancellor, went out there with a specific strategy to say, hey, we fudged up. We did this wrong. We did that wrong. And here's what we're going to do to rectify the situation. It was, a, it was a specific strategy. She then hires Danny White, UCF Athletics Director, coming by way of Buffalo and of course, a couple of the other different stops. Hired Nate Oates, uh, hired Josh Heupel at UCF. He is the son of a longtime athletic director for Duke. Uh, he is the brother of Mike White, now at Georgia, was at Florida at the time, basketball coach. Um, his other brother is the athletic director at FAU. Um, his sister, I've, I've learned, is also uh, an athletic director somewhere or high up in the athletics uh, department. It's, it's a power family, right? You hired Danny White, and then Danny White turns around and hires his football coach, Josh Heupel, and Everybody's saying, well, 
That's the best you could do. You got to hire a guy at your old stop. Josh Heupel, that offense won't translate. Josh Heupel can't do that in the SEC, but if people ever did their research, they see that his system actually worked in the SEC when he was the offensive coordinator at Missouri. But, you know, that's kind of where we were, right? I mean, it's, it's, it was, it was not, not bright days. It was, it was a tough scene to be 100% completely honest. We remember that. It makes you appreciate maybe not that time period for Tennessee, but it makes you appreciate all the things since, right? Because you are in a great position now heading into your third spring orange and white game. So what were some of those headlines entering the orange and white game in 2021? Of course, Tennessee's orange and white game is coming up on Saturday. This will technically be Josh Heupel's second orange and white game because last year the stadium was under construction. So they just kind of had like a little open practice to media and family. Um, on the practice field, and it really wasn't an orange and white game. But those storylines heading into the orange and white game 2021. Well, if you remember, Joe Milton wasn't here. You know, three quarterbacks, Harrison Bailey, who started the last couple of games for Tennessee in 2020, Brian Maurer, and the new guy that we don't know an awful lot about outside of the fact that he's number two in place quarterback coming over for Virginia Tech, Hendon Hooker. And to be completely honest with you, Hendon Hooker looked a lot like Jared Garantano a little bit in that orange and white game. But those are the three quarterbacks. It was a quarterback competition, right? Um, also, some storylines. We make the jokes now oftentimes, but guys, if you remember, Tennessee literally had no linebackers that spring. Really? Let me show my work. Remember Henry Tuoltua, Covarish Crouch. They left the program. Jeremy Banks, Roman Harrison, who at the time was believed to play linebacker for the, the Tennessee in this defense, they were injured. Um, Aaron Beasley was dismissed for an off-the-field issue. Uh, Martavis French and Aaron um, Aaron Willis, if you remember Aaron Willis, those two guys, they were suspended at the time. Um, and, of course, they both entered the transfer portal shortly thereafter. Also, the four starting linebackers for Tennessee for the 2020 season, all in the transfer portal. I mentioned Henry T. I mentioned Quaridge Crouch. Kevon Bennett, who was actually dismissed from the program during that season in 2020, and DeAndre Johnson, they all hit the transfer portal. Others, including the 30-plus other players that hit the transfer portal prior to the transition of, of Heupel coming in and after, after uh, Jeremy Pruitt was fired. Eric Gray, Keyshawn Lawrence, Lawrence um, Wanya Morris, Jerry Garantano, just to name a few of those players uh, other players that entered the portal uh, and, and were no longer a part of Tennessee's uh, football program. You just lost some of your best players from the last couple of seasons and Trey Smith, Josh Palmer, Bryce Thompson, who were getting ready for the NFL draft. Again, Pruitt was fired, former retired. Josh Heupel was named head coach, and could he duplicate what he did at UCF in the Southeastern Conference? Well, the orange and white game is here. Harrison Bailey uh, was with the third group, but he shined in terms of starting with the third-team offense. Hooker wasn't great, but he was technically with the ones the first time out, and and it was um, Brian Maurer who was the first quarterback on the field, but it was with the second-team offense. Um, some of those highlights of that orange and white game, if you remember Harrison Bailey, boy, he was an All-American coming out of that one, right? <laughs> uh, Hendon Hooker didn't have a lot of good things to say about him, right? And Tillman had that, if you remember, the 29-yard touchdown as time expired to win it for whatever team, Team White or Team Orange, that he was playing on. That was thrown by Hidden Hooker. Those were some of the big thoughts and highlights coming out of that Orange and White game. And I really think that you know that was kind of a turning point for Cedric Tillman. That catch at the end of the Orange and White game really kind of set him in the right motion. Um, as I mentioned, 
Hendon Hooker was first out with the first-team offense. Brian Maurer was first out with the second-team offense. Harrison Bailey was out with the third-team offense. But all three of those guys intertwined and and got snaps with the first-team offense throughout the day. Um, highlights, Hendon Hooker had that touchdown, that game-winning touchdown, but he also had a pick six. He was 10 of 14 in that orange and white game for 111 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Brian Maurer. 9 of 15, 171 yards. I thought he flashed coming out of that orange and white game. I remember. And then Harrison Bailey, though, he was the he was the talk of the talk, baby. Everybody was wanting some Harrison Bailey and some five-star quarterback love. And I told you, I told you, Harrison Bailey's going to be the savior. He was 12 of 15, 260 yards and two touchdowns. Hey, he had a great orange and white game. But as I remember saying at the time, a lot of his snaps were with the third team. He was the quarterback of the third team to start out that scrimmage. That says something. Also, who he was throwing against, I mean, no disrespect, but those quarterbacks and those safeties would never see the, the field in Southeastern Conference play ever, 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 ever. So, sure, he was having some good throws and everything because he was going up against, in all intents and purposes, um, some, some guys who were not going to see the field at that point in time. Um, but, but again, you can't, you can't stop the... He can't stop it, right? Everybody wants more Harrison Bailey, more Harrison Bailey because he looked good in a glorified scrimmage. But that's what I remember, and that's some of the notes that I went back and looked up as much as I could. We've changed platforms of all quests since this game, and so a lot of the stuff I can't find. I don't have access to the old platform to find it. Uh, but those were some of the storylines coming out. Remember, Keaton Salter was a part of that team, but he was suspended for an off-the-field issue. Um, we got to be introduced to Dane Davis, a former walk-on that is now on scholarship as offensive tackle that was going for that starting left tackle position. And uh, he started a few games for Tennessee, but he's been more or less uh, an injury plug-and-play guy, but a big part of the success for that offensive line the past couple of years. Uh, running backs played pretty good. Remember, no Ty Chandler, no Eric Gray. They hit the transfer portal. Forgot to mention Ty Chandler earlier. He went to North Carolina. Tyon Evans had a one-yard rushing touchdown in that orange and white game. He Played the season, then left for Louisville. Uh, Jalen Wright had three carries, 16 yards, and uh, a seven-yard touchdown in his first action in a Tennessee uniform. Tight end Princeton Fant was the leading receiver towards that last uh, series of the of the game. He had four receptions for 56 yards. Those are some of the things that I remember, some of those things that I could go back and find from the orange and white game in 2021. How far has Tennessee come since the orange and white game in 2021? Throwback Thursday here on Locked On Balls. Um, man, man, oh man. I remember sitting up there. Ben McKee was to my right. We were in the press box and had the laptop, started my game thread at VolQuest.com, yada, yada. And I'm just, I'm looking at the play and I'm like, all right, well, first play of the game, you know, goes to D Beckwith, gain a two yards, yada, yada. And I look back up and they had already run a play. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just missed the second play of the game. This tempo is something that everybody, Media covering the game, fans watching the game. We all had to get used to it, right? That was one of my biggest takeaways. Um, but, man, I mean, the the program is in such a better position now. You have depth at positions to where you can hold guys out of spring scrimmages and practices just because you choose to. You don't have to play them out of necessity because you need the numbers to go two spots. Um, here on this Throwback Thursday episode of Lockdown Vols, it's – it's pretty remarkable how low the program was in spring of 2021 and where it is now. Joe Milton was rumored to be signing with Tennessee out of the transfer portal. That ended up happening. Joe Milton won the starting quarterback job. Joe Milton started the first two games, and then Hendon Hooker took over, and that's all she wrote, right? It's been a fun last two years. So uh, throwback Thursday. 
you guys have any suggestions on what you want me to throw back to, give me give me some days in advance so I can research if I'm not familiar or don't remember very much. But uh, I thought it was I thought it was uh, unique that we could throw back to two years ago, spring of 2021, entering the orange and white game with Tennessee 2023. This version of the Volunteers entering the orange and white game coming up uh, later this week or on Saturday. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Throwback Thursday question I want to hit on the other side. Q of the day. Who wins the national championship first at Tennessee? Is it Tony Vitello or is it Josh Heupel? That and more coming up next right here on Lockdown Vols. And hey, are you looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and the calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. That's built. You got to try it. If you're like me and you're wanting healthier alternative snacks but don't want to compromise the taste, I've got the thing just for you. Built Bars. Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy, tasty, and amazing. Seriously, they're so tasty and amazing, you won't think that they're good for you. You got to try them. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That is right. That is real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but these Built Bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing things for you. What's even better is they're healthy, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait on the box for years. I've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can go to the local Walmart or Sam's Club while you're in there and get your specialty flavors as well still from Built.com. So that's right. Head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. As always, check them out at Built.com. If you're close, go ahead and make it happen. Amazing flavors. It's great for you and covered in 100% real chocolate, but dosed with protein. That is at Built.com. All right, guys, welcome back into it. To you everydayers, Locked On Vols, your Thursday edition of the show. Give us a subscription to Locked On Vols on the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Got a fun question that I'm going to present here. It's the key of the day, but also I stole it from the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast this week. I um, thought it was a good question, at least worth a discussion, right? Who will win a national championship first at the University of Tennessee? Is it Josh Heupel in football or is it Tony Vitello in baseball? Some layers here. Let's get into it. First of all, you're probably thinking right now, well, baseball team sucks. You know, yada, yada. Baseball team's awful. Why would you even put Tony Vitello in this conversation? Well, um, this is baseball in the SEC, guys. <laughs> like, um, not every single team is historic like 2022 was. Getting the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, sweeping the conference regular season and tournament championships. Uh, leading the nation in home runs. That is historic. Not every baseball team, especially in Southeastern Conference play, has seasons like that. Not every baseball team in America goes to Omaha, right? Only eight teams go to Omaha every single year. 2021, Tennessee went to Omaha. That just doesn't happen. So what you're seeing right now in 2022, 20, 2023, and certainly, don't get me wrong, there's some issues, um, but you're seeing the grind and the hustle of a Southeastern Conference schedule. And Tennessee's front-loaded that schedule, um, or the SEC has front-loaded that schedule for Tennessee, and they're in the middle of a brutal stretch right now. At LSU, back home against Florida, now going to Arkansas, then coming back home against Vanderbilt, it's tough. But the case for baseball and Tony Vitello would be you build your program around the arms. If you can pitch, you're going to win games. Tennessee is struggling this year with starting pitching so far. No doubt about it. Chase Burns is not Chase Burns right now. Chase Dolander, we have not seen the best version of Chase Dolander to date. Drew Beam has had his issues, though he looked really good against Florida on Saturday. Um, Tennessee starting pitching has not been what it was last year. It's not even been complimentary to what it was last year to this point. But you know what those guys can do, and you have those starting pitching. 
Tennessee's got arguably the best bullpen in all of baseball right now. You have three, four starting pitchers in that bullpen right now. Seth Halverson, who used to be a former ace of Missouri. Andrew Lindsay, who can start games and started games for Charlotte a couple years ago that beat Tennessee, mind you. Cannon Sewell, who started some for Tennessee, including the SEC Tournament Championship win over Florida last year. And Xander Seacrest, who's been a midweek ace the last couple years for Tennessee, but could start for a lot of other programs around the country. You have depth in that bullpen. Tennessee has, under Tony Botello and Frank Anderson, Tennessee has built its program around arms. And if you can pitch, you can win games. Look at the Atlanta Braves winning those 14 straight uh, NL East divisional titles, right? Or divisional titles. They used to be the NL. They used to be the NL. Uh, they weren't always the NL East. Actually, they played in the NL West for a little bit, which was confusing. But anyway, they had that 14 straight uh, divisional titles, right? Because they had pitching and they could pitch, pitch, pitch. So. Um, as long as Tony Vitello continues to build his program around the arms, my vote might be baseball, knowing that it is so incredibly challenging to run the table and to go and win in baseball because you play in the SEC, go through the SEC tournaments, right? You host a regional, which is, or you, you, you go to regionals, which is round robin. You do super regionals, which is the best of a two game, uh, best of a three game series. You make it to Omaha. You have round robin for the first round, and then if you're in the finals, the final series, it's best two out of three. It's just, it's such a grind. It's so challenging. But my vote might be baseball, and here's why. I think Tennessee football is, um, gosh, it's so much better, right? And you were in the national championship conversation this year. You were in the national playoff conversation this year for sure. I think a pitcher can impact the game more so than anything on any given night, more so than any football player. I do. Um, if you have your stuff, and if you can make that consistently over a couple starts, especially in postseason play, it's going to help a team out a lot. If you have great stuff that night and you can't hit, you just can't hit if you're the opponent. Um, I think Tennessee's roster has come so far, and I think it's going to continue to con- go far to challenge and complement the likes of Georgia and Alabama and LSU and and some of the and Florida's and some of the other teams that have had good rosters at this point in time. Remember, Tennessee's still rebuilding its roster, and it's to a point now to where you really like the numbers where it's at. But um, this is new for Tennessee. Um, you're kind of where you are in the spring right now. Uh, it'll be easier to win a national championship whenever the college football playoffs expand to 12 teams. I recognize that. Um, however, uh, I think Brent said this on the VolQuest podcast this week. Uh, if you're the 12th seed, you're not winning a national championship. You're just not. That's not how football's built, right? Uh, you'll bit, you'll get the crap beat out of you, likely. <laughs> that's just my opinion. And that's why I think 12 teams is way too many. But it'll be easier to get into the college football playoffs to the expansion, and then you have a shot, right? And the shot's all you need. The shot's all you want. Um, you know, we'll see. I just football's such a different game compared to anything. Like one person cannot take over the game in football, like you see in basketball, like you obviously see in golf, like you see in baseball. A lot of times, I mean, truly, you've got to have eleven guys working together all for one common goal. Um, so Tennessee football's made significant progress. I do. My vote would probably be Tennessee baseball. Um, but what's your vote? This is a really good question, compelling question, and uh, I'd I, I love to hear what you have to say. Knowing that winning a college World Series in baseball is might be one of the most what might be one of the most difficult things in all sports, just because of the path you have to go through to get there. So I love to I love to hear what you got. Um, Tennessee's best chance in the national championship in the last ten years was this past couple was this past season with Hendon Hooker. Uh, a quarterback. You got to have a quarterback that could make it go for sure. Uh, you got to play complimentary football, especially in this system. Um, great question. Fantastic question. Want to know 
what you have to say. Who wins a national championship at Tennessee first, Josh Heupel or Tony Vitello? And let's be real, the majority of football coaches and baseball coaches don't win national championships at their stops. I mean, again, there's only one national champion every single year, and there's over 300 basketball programs. There's 130 football programs. There's a ton of baseball programs that are competing for that one national championship every single year. So will either single one of these guys, better said, will either of these guys uh, win a national championship at Tennessee? I think there's a great opportunity for both of them, but uh, we'll see. It's a great, uh, great conversation to have. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. When we come back, we'll conclude this edition of Locked On Vols. ESPN's Matt Bowen, best prospects of 53 different skills heading into the NFL draft. You don't want to miss this. Tennessee is everywhere. That and more coming up next right here on Locked On Vols. A couple more minutes left here of your Thursday Locked On Vols. I'm Eric Kane at underscore Kaner on Twitter at Locked On Vols. Appreciate you guys and appreciate you everydayers for tuning in. Every single day here at Locked On Vols, that way when I reference something, you everydayers know exactly what I'm talking about because I said it maybe on a show earlier this week. Uh, you guys are the best making this show go. ESPN's Matt Bowen. Matt Bowen has done a list here. Best prospects at 53 different skills entering the NFL draft. Accuracy, arm strength, mobility for quarterbacks, elusiveness, physicality, speed for offensive skill positions, power, agility for linemen, burst, range, Ben for defenders, all that type of stuff. Um, he gets 53 different skills and lists his top prospects for each of those skills. Tennessee's all over the place here. Um, they, uh, they, they've got a couple of different uh, things going on for them. You just kind of work down the top of the list here. Most accurate passer goes to C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Best arm talent goes to Anthony Richardson of Florida. Best mechanics goes to Hendon Hooker of Tennessee. This is what Bowen says, quote, with detail and controlled footwork in his drops and a clean over-the-top release, Hooker is is a refined thrower with the necessary tools to produce from the pocket. He plays tall in the pocket and is at his best on rhythm concepts, which uh, match well with his efficient upper and lower body mechanics. Hooker played in 11 games this last year before tearing his ACL to end his season. So Hendon Hooker gets voted on in best mechanics from Matt Bowen here at ESPN. Best field vision goes to Bryce Young. Best pocket presence goes to Bryce Young. Quickest release goes to Will Levis. Best scrambler goes to Anthony Richardson. Um, and that's it for the quarterbacks. Let's go down to likely the wide receivers. Here we go. Wide receiver talents. Oh, this is interesting. Back here, I'm looking at the... Uh, the running backs uh, for those uh, former Vol that love to be the transfer portal. Most sudden. We'll see what that means. That's Eric Gray, running back of Oklahoma. Gray can set up and shake defenders using his sudden change of directional traits and short area speed to drive through traffic. In 2022, Gray evaded 44 tackles, second in the nation only to B. John Robinson. And while he doesn't have the long speed to rip off home runs, Gray has a running style that translates to first down carries, an area he finished tied for six nationally last season. Interesting. Most sudden, Eric Gray. All right, let's go down to wide receiver. Best route runner, Jackson Smith. I can't say his last name. I'm sorry. Wide receiver, Ohio State. Didn't play hardly at all in 2022, but he'll be a first-round pick. Uh, most explosive, Zay Flowers, Boston College. Best ball skills, Cedric Tillman, wide receiver, Tennessee. Quote, Tillman has the makeup of a boundary X receiver in the pros at 6'3", 213 pounds. He has the ball skills to win both inside and outside the numbers. He can press inside to work the dirty areas of the track or track the ball vertically. 
an ankle injury limited Tillman to 34 receptions this past season, but he had 64 catches for 1,081 yards and 12 scores in 2021. He should be getting more. He should be getting more hype because the NFL fit in is physicality, and he's got physicality. Best ball skills goes to Tennessee's Cedric Tillman. So, so far we have two superlatives here for Tennessee players. Best deep threat. The one that comes up next is wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt averaged 18.9 yards per carry last se- per catch last season, 14 receptions, uh, tied for fourth most, and eight touchdowns. Second on throw. Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Let me try that over. With 14 receptions and eight touchdowns on throws of 20 yards or more down the field. He's a true vertical threat from the boundary and slot alignments, and I think he plays even faster than 4-4 time that he posted at the combine. Hyatt ends. Hyatt eats up grass in a hurry and when pushing down the field. So, you know, best deep threat I can see that in this uh, this wide receiver class is Jalen Hyatt. That makes a whole lot of sense. Tennessee, three superlatives so far. Continue to go down, and we'll go down likely to the offensive line here. Actually, we skipped some superlatives real quick. Prospects with 90-plus grades. If you have a 90-plus grade in the NFL draft prospect uh, process, you are considered a play-now guy right that has all pro or pro bowl type tendencies so 90 plus grades are you know first round second round picks for sure and tennessee you know really really first round picks tennessee has three players who have 90 plus grades according to matt bowen darnell Wright comes in at number 20 with a 91 grade jalen hyatt comes in at number 26 with a 90 grade and hendon hooker comes in at number 27 with a 90 grade as well. Prospects with an 80 to 89 grade. Cedric Tillman comes in at 41 overall with a grade of 89. Prospects with a 70 to 79 grade. Byron Young comes in at with a 70 grade at 100 overall. And in, in case you're wondering, Henry Tuotuo, former Tennessee linebacker, comes right behind him with a 70 overall grade, 101 overall. Prospects with a 60 to 69 grade. Tennessee has one player in that mix. That's Jeremy Banks, inside linebacker, a NFL draft grade of 61. That's 186th overall. Prospects with a 50 to 59 grade. That is Jerome Carvin, a 50 overall draft grade, 333rd overall. Princeton Fant, a 50 overall draft grade. He's listed as a fullback, 350th prospect overall. Uh, quarterbacks, you're listing him in overall rankings in parentheses. Tennessee's Hendon Hooker is considered the fifth best quarterback in this class, the 27th overall best prospect in this class. Fullbacks, Princeton Fant is considered the ninth best fullback in this class and overall prospect number 350th. Wide receivers, Jalen Hyatt is considered the fourth best wide receiver in this class and the 26th best prospect. Cedric Tillman is considered the sixth best wide receiver and the 41st overall prospect. Let's see here. Jerome Carvin is considered the 22nd best guard in this class, the, thir- the 333rd best prospect in this class. Darnell Wright is considered the fourth best offensive tackle in this class, but he very well could be the first offensive tackle selected when it's all said and done. Mel Kuyper believes so in his NFL Mock Draft 4.0. You everyday listeners and viewers uh, caught that on yesterday's episode. But Darnell Wright, considered the fourth best offensive tackle, the 20th best prospect overall. He's behind Peter Skronowski of Northwestern, Broderick Jones of Georgia, Paris Johnson Jr. of Ohio State. 
continue to work yourself down the list. Byron Young is considered the 11th best defensive end in this class, the 100th the 100th overall prospect in this class. And Jeremy Banks considered the 12th best inside linebacker in this class, the 186th best prospect overall. You continue to work yourself down and Actually, that's it right there. So, anyway, some good stuff there from Tennessee. Highlighted by Hendon Hooker being considered the best mechanics of any quarterback in this class. This is a this is from Matt Bowen of ESPN.com, and of course the wide receivers, which is best ball skills, Cedric Tillman, and best deep threat to uh, Tennessee's Hendon Hooker. Now, remember, this overall thing is about skill position, skill position. So they're not taking into account. Um, offensive and defensive linemen, but Darnell Wright would have been high up on those lists uh, for sure. The NFL draft, boy, it's coming up, guys. It's coming up in a hurry, and Tennessee is in a great spot. Tennessee is going to have a really, really good showing. We're going to continue to preview the NFL draft coming up over the next couple of weeks right here on Locked On Vols. As always, appreciate you guys for tuning in, being an everydayer here to Locked On Vols, taking into account Monday through Friday, our 30-minute program Talking about Tennessee Volunteers, it's your team every single day. We're a part of the Long Tom Podcast Network and for making us your first listen each and every day. Coming up on tomorrow's show, what prospects are going to be in town to watch the Orange and White game, the implications on recruiting for Tennessee football. That's what you have to look forward to coming up next on Friday's Locked On Balls. Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody.